This is a trigger warning for this episode of the Tony Awards. We will be talking about uh, factitious disorder and child sexual abuse. So if you would prefer not to hear those things, you can turn it off now. Hello. Hello and welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have two very special guests, Mr. Brandon Sargent. Hello, hello. And Mr. Jake Much. Hi. <laughs> and today we will be discussing The Night Listener, released in 2006, uh, written and directed. No, wait, just written. Wait, just kidding. Okay. Based on a book by Armistead Mopan. Is that how you pronounce Mopin. it? Mopin. 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 All right. Mopin. Off to a great a start. Soccer player named so it's, so it's based on a book by Armistead Mopin, we'll say. Um, the screenplay was also written by Armistead and Patrick Stetner and Terry Anderson. Directed by Patrick Stetner about... <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at the plot summary that I wrote before I watched the movie, just based off of the very basic information I had. As you do. And I had written a podcast host, uh, but it's not. It's a radio talk show host. Not even a radio talk show host. That's the same thing, though. It's a storyteller radio host. Okay, a radio host develops a friendship with a teen caller, but things are not what they seem, dot, dot, dot. That's a very... Like extreme under under synopsis. I know. So what were all of our first impressions watching this movie? Like immediate yeah, or like, like first impressions after in the first couple seconds or like right in the first shot. I say again with a Miramax movie for Tony Collette. <laughs> about 85% of her catalog is produced by Miramax so I, did I need write answers down the possibly the longest title sequence in all of films <laughs> yeah i did a, i did a lot minutes. i liked it i did a lot of things during the titles like i was getting ready i was like this is a long time so well it was a who's who of who's in this movie so many tony so was many. second build mhm as she should also be also robin williams right yeah bobby wills uh, my first so note on the content of this movie is just a question, and the question is: A teen wrote a book. Aragon. <laughs> Aragon. Yeah, but also when they share the passage of like the when he's like reading the beginning, I was like, hmm, fourteen-year-olds wrote this. I thought that was his book. I thought it was supposed to be Robin Williams's character's backstory. So this uh, movie <laughs> opens. I like how we can hear whenever one of us sets a drink down on the table because it's our glasses of water. It's important (laughs) punctuation. Yeah, and then afterwards, whoever does it goes, "Well, this movie, this movie." Um. Okay, so this movie. Okay, so here's what's up. Robin Williams is uh, telling a story about his life on his radio show. Uh, His name is Gabriel Noon. His show is called Noon at Night. I saw a letterboxed review that took off a star for that title. <laughs> I thought that was clever. I thought it was horrible. I thought it was clever until I saw how noon was spelled. And <laughs> when it was spelled like no one, N-O-O-N-E, I then was like, I w- cheap. Cheap go. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Off. I didn't even realize That's that. Cool. And I, I think it makes it better, honestly. Maybe. What Maybe was it, it supposed to be called? It makes it um, Mopan at night? Mopan at night. Mopan at the close. Gabriel. <gasps> Even just like Gregory's stories, I would have been like, "Dope." <laughs> so he's a he he's a radio show host. He tells stories about his life. His he's colleague, famous. He's gay. He's famous. Everyone and in the gay. world knows his radio show. He's like <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw. Timothy Chalamet. Oh, he is the Carrie. He's Bradshaw. the Carrie Bradshaw of the gay male True. world. True. <laughs> I thought that was Carrie. Bradshaw. Well, that is. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be so stepping anyway, out now. We're leaving. Uh, his, we his colleague hands him a book and says, there's this teenage boy who wrote a book. You should read it. Uh, and Robin Williams goes home and reads it. And it's a memoir about how he... A memoir? <laughs> it's a memoir. A memoir. It is a personal memoir. story about um, <laughs> how... <laughs> 
Sam. <laughs> no, it's horrible because we've been laughing for the past like five minutes. Because you're about to but say, the, but the content is about to get like pretty dark. Yeah. Um. So it's a memoir about um how he was like sexually abused as a child, <laughs> which the next day he goes back to his colleague and he's like. Yo, why did you give me a book about a kid getting molested with like n- without telling me what it was about? And his friend is like, "Why are you making it weird? Obviously, it's about the fact that he was molested." His colleague oh, wow. is Olivia Pope's dad from Scandal. Mm-hmm. So, Word. Uh, Robin Williams becomes friends with this young boy over the phone, and later. Uh, his boyfriend points out that no, the his, young, his ex-boyfriend. His ex-boyfriend. The best on-screen couple I've ever seen <laughs> as far as two straight men playing gay roles. Yeah. Bobby Cannavale and Robin Williams. Yeah, Ugh. yeah eat Gorgeous. shit, Timothy Chalamet. So exactly. believable. Army <laughs> Hammer, get the fuck out of here. Bobby Cannavale has so much more edge. So the original, <laughs> the original Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. Call Me By New. True, because, okay, something that I thought would become a greater, um, a more prominent thread throughout this movie is Robin Williams's character's affinity <clears throat> for younger men. Mm-hmm. Because Bobby Cannavale has a line where he says, like, when we met, like, I was right out of college. And what Robin Williams does after developing a friendship with a victim of child sexual abuse over the phone is he mails him a copy of Playboy. <laughs> yeah. Which <clears throat> feels like the, the wrong thing to it do. It did. It did. Also, did we see the parallel? When he's buying the Playboy and gets caught with Little Miss with, Sunshine, with, with his, Little Miss Sunshine, his ex-boyfriend sees him buying a Playboy magazine, buying straight porn. Yeah, and that happened when with Tony Collette Steve loves Carole. movies about gay men. She got to that scene porn. and she her character wasn't even on screen yet, and she was like, "I'm sold. I'm sold." Yeah, actually, she was on screen. She so was. she is the caretaker of the boy who's on the phone, and she loves the Playboy thing. Like yeah. she's totally okay with it, which is why Long I knew board. that it was a weird plot point that they weren't going to address. Because she was like, "Oh, thank you for the Playboy." <laughs> oh my God, he finally loves it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she, he even like at one point reemphasizes it when he's like at the house and looks yeah, for it. Yeah, it under- comes back. Like, he like finds the Playboy that he mails to this yeah. boy. So Robin Williams. It's pretty easy to like summarize this movie and then just get into everything that happens because Robin Williams begins to suspect that the young boy he's been talking to on the phone is actually just Tony Collette mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. Um, developed like an imaginary boy. son. Mm-hmm. Well, but this is pointed out to him. He doesn't notice that until until Bobby Cannavale yeah. says that boy and his mom sound exactly the same. Very but I didn't. Bu- I didn't buy that. Like fifteen minutes into the movie, I didn't buy that. Well, I feel like at first I was like, my no biggest way. problem with this movie was, I, I I feel like it was too believable for Tony Collette to be making it up from like the beginning because she's such a weirdo right away that I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling that like back and forth like oh maybe it's real maybe it's not like Jake, the imagined version of her the Jake, imagined version of her. Jake Munch wants to say something Do, oh um you're no, just making a lot of gestures I, gestures being. I'm a stickler for accents, and her Australian slipped on both things <laughs> immediately. So as soon as she started speaking, oh my god, is this a spoiler alert? Am I, can I do that? No, yeah. You, Sam's about to jump to the end of the movie in like two minutes. Okay, so. we're, anyway, we're spoiling. Everything, I just heard yeah. a lot of Australia coming out in all <laughs> in all of the telephone conversations, mm-hmm. and I was like, interesting. Ah, oh, okay. That's I didn't definitely really, which is weird Australian because person. Rory Culkin is the actual and Rory Culkin is the voice actual. a lot of the time, and he's not Australian most of the time. Yeah, but, but when they she want it also, to be obvious, they drop mm-hmm. him, and it's very obvious. Yeah, yeah. I feel like she was like, she was definitely in a weird voice for this movie, but there were so many different versions of her character that kind of came out at different times. So I felt like there was never one like dialect anyway. But did you notice that in the like imagined version of her at the beginning that she had red hair? Yeah. And later she, she didn't. She was completely different. Yeah. Because it was, um, but then I was like, because everyone who has red hair is named Donna. <laughs> well, and, but he didn't, he say he's <laughs> into red hair. piece of shit. And, it's <laughs> that 70s show. Oh, Yo. True. What'd you say? Didn't he say, she's a babe, I love redheads? Who? 
Yeah. Her Rory fucking Culkin, her adopted, adopted son. son. So yeah, so okay, so the backstory is it's not like his actual mom. It's no. like he was the backstory is that Rory Culkin's character, the young boy, was sexually abused by both of his parents mm. and then adopted and their by friends. his yeah. and their friends and then was adopted by his social worker after mm-hmm. his parents like went to jail. Yeah. Or like his dad went to jail and his mom just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So he's now under the care of his social worker, Tony Collette, who it later turns out pretty much made him up right we think and the only well, reason that like okay it's one of those things that's never confirmed but like she well, and it wasn't confirmed. it was confirmed and it wasn't confirmed in real life either. no also, it well it basically was because well, right. in real life okay so we can get to that later. we're though. getting to that later um yeah, i don't remember what let's we move were through the plot about. let's try well, and yeah. have some also, suspense an important reason that you actually do believe that this could be real is because <clears throat> of the abuse mm-hmm. he the reason that they're just taking this manuscript without meeting the the, the boy is because um, Tony Collette tells them that he is now, like, his location is secret because his mom is still on the loose. Yeah. So it makes sense because you're like, why wouldn't they interview him, whatever? But she's like, we have to keep it to phone conversations because we can't disclose the location of where we live. Right. Which yeah. kind of does make you, like, you're like, okay, maybe it is. Well, it's very, it's very like there's so many creepy parts of it that are like laid out before the movie starts to get creepy and I think that was really smart kind of move because by the time he goes to visit you're like oh fuck this is not gonna work out um but yeah let's keep the suspense building through yes. the podcast and like actually reveal things well no because I, <laughs> like I don't know like were you guys thinking that maybe the teen was real throughout the movie because Pretty much 20 minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, he's fake. And then was never convinced that he could be real at any point. Um, Not for a second did I actually think. Wait, Jake Mush is showing me his notes. Yes, I'm took, saying it exactly. Took Robin 20 minutes to settle? Yeah, as in Does like at 20 minutes, I said, still don't know how I feel about Roy. <laughs> As in, like, I still don't know how, um, which is Rory Culkin, because yes. obviously I'm referring to him as Rory Culkin. Wait, is he oh, related Nazi. to Macaulay yeah. Culkin? Yes. yes. Clearly. Um, which is pa- just like Which him. is part of why I didn't trust that he was real, exactly. because one of my very first <laughs> notes was, I don't trust Culkin. I don't trust Rory Culkin, and that's what I thought. And then, like, 28 minutes in is when I decided, I was like, something's fucked. Rory Culkin's got something going on whether it's him or somebody else just somebody near the Culkin stirring the pot I kind of thought I was kind of getting so basically all before I watched it I just knew it was a psychological thriller Mm -hmm. so I was like in my mind I actually wrote down I started building this evidence like file that possibly Robin Williams was the crazy one because mm. he there and there's a lot of evidence too because when he first goes home Jess his boyfriend oh. is like oh you scared me and he looks so scared of Robin Williams and I'm like is he like a weird child uh, like yeah. predator mm-hmm. and like he's moving and he's telling him he's moving out because he needs space but it's gonna and I'm like that's what somebody who's been like I feel like abused, I don't know, abused would, would be like, oh, I'll be back. I just am. yeah, and no, he's for with a good a, he amount a of this movie, I was like, is Robin Williams supposed to be? Like, Maybe they theory? left that kind of ambiguous then, on purpose too. Yeah, and then he's like becomes instantly best friends with this child, like for no yeah. reason. And everyone's just okay yeah. with it. And, yeah. And then he like sends him Playboy, and so then I was like, and then when like that, I mean later, I mean, I don't well, want you know. Also, because the they have to expedite the process. The cop. Yeah. Because, because oh. it is based on a novel, they have to expedite a lot, which is well, and, well, and just because the character is supposedly dying of AIDS and he's never well. had sex, and he's this like teen boy, and he's like bonding with whatever. Um, it, it was just a strange. So basically, he decides to visit after. After Tony, Tony makes tells a couple of excuses, now. she's like, "Well, he's in the hospital, and you and know, she's being creepy by inviting him." And then she'll cancel at the last yeah. minute. Yeah. And the fact that he supposedly has talent, and the fact that like he was like, "This is the cleanest manuscript I've gotten in years." That's oh yeah, it's like, that was weird. Which is like what spoke the most to me. I'm like, "Oh okay, I'm like this whoever it is, whether it's Roy Culkin 
or otherwise it's like oh they're a good writer mm. like and that's like yeah. i think the biggest thing for robin is like his character uh gabriel as they say <laughs> <laughs> in the movie I just I as, as they call calling. robin williams in this movie yes. gabriel yeah as, as robin williams AKA for some gabriel. reason robin williams was in this movie but everybody kept calling him gabriel i don't <laughs> yeah. know what was up with and that. i was just waiting for robin williams to come but it was just gabriel and yeah. i was like this oh, movie was 2006 or something yes 2006 Six. I just think it's the saddest thing is that it actually sounded from what they read of the manuscript, it actually sounds really good. And I'm like, Tony, all you had to do was send out a book. Like, <laughs> you could have been published. It was right. so good on its well, own. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, I have to wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, good for a 14 year old boy to have written it or like good good that like charles dickens that charles dickens it's that's a very specific compliment wait what charles dickens you know he's reading it and he's like charles dickens wrote that we all blah 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 Mm. and it's like this metaphor he's basing off charles dickens and i'm like it's actually like good i mean it could have been like good for a 14 year old but i I also was like, this isn't a 14-year-old oh, writing. Oh, is that why later they have Dickens at the hospital? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think, but I think that's a problem that I saw real early on, is that it's like a lot about the metaphysical part of all of it and not much about the plot. Like, in the beginning, it was like more like, oh, Robin Williams' character is gay more than it was he's in a relationship. It's like, mm-hmm. let's establish for 20 minutes that he's a gay man rather than like he's what his relationship is like with Bobby Cannavale. It was also yeah. not, it ended up not being relevant to the plot, which exactly. I actually did appreciate because his, I really don't think they made him being gay actually plot relevant, which is good yeah. because yeah. that which would be fucked out. up anyway for a story that technically is about child abuse. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but it's well, the fact that they tried. It's because Armistead, so many times. It's because the, you know, Armistead Mopan is. Well, yeah, he's yeah. known for that. And like, I think that was just like, him developing the character in a little way like it had Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the plot right but yeah um, i liked like it's sort of in that way was a movie that started like it had the amount of time that a novel allows Mm -hmm. where with a novel you can spend time sort of like just laying bricks Mm -hmm. and then it seemed like about 20 minutes in they were like oh fuck like this is like a thriller that we're releasing as a piece of cinema like we have to Sort of get going with this, yeah. um, I and I feel read the like book, I I've heard read the book. Um, there was a variety of reviews that said that um, it was like a disappointment compared to the book. That the book was much better. It was also extremely short. It was an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, like they could have take away like the credits and. The, and why was this it's a movie? Great cast. Why would you like, if why, all the movies we've watched? Why was this movie <laughs> fifty minutes shorter than In Her Shoes? I don't fucking know. Like, of all the movies we watched, this is one that I could actually, would not mind adding 20 minutes to. I I feel like it would have been better, but also, I did feel like the direction was pretty aimless. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I want to give him more time, because he's got a lot of stuff to work with, and none of it is ever... I also appreciated the pace, though. I mean, like, I enjoyed that it was short, because it was like... You had no idea where where the story was going I was okay with it being short, because I didn't think it was a good movie. I had a lot of fun watching it, though. I, I it kept me watching. Like I had fun, but I felt Credit like to the movie. I, I I felt like Robin Williams was way too casual the entire time. Yeah, he also, really didn't him. seem he invested. Was, it was so unrealistic. Like I thought the the plot, the cast, everything was great, but like the movie itself, like every I have like a whole list of just being like what another just like careless. He has no fear in the world. He's no. like oh. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Wisconsin. I'm gonna like do this. I'm gonna go yeah. to the restaurant and like listen to he her. He fully stalks Tony yeah. Collette and, and breaks another, into her house because like the, it felt like the writer is obsessed with like the noir aspect, and which right. is why he did those like slow fade cuts. Is but you he's have like, to... this is a big ass mystery that I've concocted. Mm-hmm. That's really like you have you're to like something. yeah. They should have committed to that all the way, like the whole movie. If that was should what have they were been a do. noir. If it was going to be a noir, right. then it would make have been cool that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I also feel like the pacing was off because there was only about 10 minutes of developing the friendship between Robin Williams and this young boy, mm-hmm. and it felt expository. Mm-hmm. Where, and mm-hmm. then to have the rest of the movie be about Robin Williams trying to like find out the truth mm-hmm. when I didn't feel like enough time had been devoted yeah. to having the audience invested in that as well. And I think, yeah. and there should have been more of like a, 
like like a back and forth between whether or not Rory Culkin was real because from the moment that Robin Williams arrived in that town Tony Collette was just being the biggest freak mm-hmm. which was great like of she course. gave a great performance but there was never a single moment past like the 30 minute mark where I was like oh maybe Rory Culkin right. is real the two things one I think the reason that it felt that way is because of the it is based in reality. It is like, based on a true story. Then, so I feel like the beginning of the movie is like the true parts, yeah. and then the part when we're like, "This is so unbelievable." That was all fictionalized. Yes. So I don't think they. Do you want to a... have an Armistead corner where you talk about <laughs> sure. how, uh, how how this movie was inspired by real events? Sure. Yeah. So he. <laughs> and I'll just go off the mic and drink the rest of my drink. Yeah. So I read his <laughs> memoir, um, and. He talks about it for a second, but he doesn't spoil it. But then I read more about what happened. So essentially, all of the beginning... Robin Williams also is, like, best friends with him. Oh, yeah. So he actually was, like... Because in his book, he's like, and then I had my friend Robin Williams. He actually played me in the movie. Which I also think is interesting because he talks about it as if Gabriel is him. Like, he acts as if it's a memoir when he talks about it. Oh, yeah. Like, he'll be like, like, he played me. It's like real-life fanfic. Yeah. And then so essentially this everything was realistic. This happened. Um I thought that it was like um like his phone friendship with this young boy was real. Like yeah. he didn't actually go to Wisconsin to try and find that's him. Yeah. Right, so that's he what didn't happened. ever yeah. he never like did the um, It was kinda like, like what he wished he had done. He didn't do the t- detective work, but that's why at the beginning of the movie yeah. he says I pull from reality like you know that quote he was like oh yeah he says like like my stories aren't like really real but they're emotionally real yeah Mm. so basically he took that premise and then he like so that's what also another review i read was that they established from the beginning that this whole movie was actually a fictionalized story that he's telling on Mm -hmm. his on his radio show (laughs) you were about to say podcast (laughs) wait the the character because he said this one's called the night listener and then it fades away so in reality i think that And I think at the beginning, and that's why it's so simple in the second mm-hmm. half. Which I do yes. have to say, you know what? Despite my hatred for voiceover narration, narration, uh, that's a that's good excuse. Word. Yeah. So that's what people were saying is like some people were like, "This was so unbelievable. This was so dumb." But then some people were like, "No, it's amazing because at the beginning, they tell you this is all about to be a fictionalized story, and that's why the end is mm. so strange, and the fact that they like show." You know her. You know her new character at the end, the blonde woman. Oh my god! I I was gonna say when we were talking about how creepy Tony is in Wisconsin, I'm like, if she would have been that blonde woman, like <clears throat> more of like a normal suburban mother, then I think the whole thing I would have been like, is she lying? But yeah. the fact that she's some like, I don't know, like very creepy, disturbing, disturbing. She, she fully tries to fuck Robin Williams in the basement. Yes, mm-hmm. with the sweater seat. Oh, I, yeah. we should, we should, we should talk about. Okay, it. so Robin Williams scene. goes to Wisconsin. He stalks Tony Collette, finds out that well, she's blind and no, has a seeing eye dog. Well, first he finds out that the the return address was like a mail drop, like a, a fake, uh, like a Seven Eleven, and the yeah. cashier or whatever. Like very tellingly says, oh, people use us so they don't have to use the real address. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, cool. That's yeah. And he goes, uh, I the, got that part. The, the, the 7-Eleven guy is pretty much like anybody you're writing letters to with this as their return address is a fucking freak. Yeah, just so like, you know. I love mm-hmm. giving exposition. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like so into like I'm kind of into the structure of this movie where like the first half is so normal and like. Like sad normal drama movie, and then I this did is like, like full on horror. Yes. I liked weird. that structure. I, I wish I kind of wish that they had leaned into the idea that like the whole town is really fucked up because yeah. there's a scene later on where he breaks into Tony Collette's house, <laughs> and a cop shows up, <laughs> and thinking that Robin Williams is one of the men who abused Rory Culkin in his childhood. Uh, like takes him out to a field and just starts tasing him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, first of all, all cops are bastards. And secondly, <laughs> I think that if the... It, if Robin Williams had been... Well, 
No, because the problem in this movie wasn't with Robin Williams' performance. It was that his character was written to be so indifferent the yeah. entire time. Yes. Like, driven by some unseen force because there's not really any passion in his performance at all. And it's not like he had, like, a childhood kind of, like, motivation for this kind of thing either. Yeah. Like, that was written into it. I mean, obviously, Armistead didn't, but, like he could have added one for this character because it was so strange that he was just doing these things. Like he broke into like eight hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> to try and find this. Kid. Which is why, well, I think that disconnect came in the tone of the beginning, which I really dug, which is like the normalcy of it. It was, oh, was the yeah. fun part. And then I think the writer of, of the script was like, Oh fuck. Like I got to make a mystery out of this. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> just embellished that part and it made that Whoa. lose. Like, I feel like if he dropped the mystery and kept the normalcy and had the weirdness stay, yeah, yeah. Like it would have created like the, the mystery movie, itself. The movie wanted us to be unsure of whether Rory Culkin was real, but the entire time I was like, oh no, Shot like, itself he's, in the he, he, yeah. he's not real. Well, and the, yeah. the only time, because they never really <clears> gave, <throat> they also never gave an explicit motivation for Robin Williams to go to Wisconsin. Like, sure, I just feel like if you're living in New York, you have this established career and like all this stuff, and then you like find out that this this relationship with this 14 year old boy might might be phony, whatever. Mm-hmm. Does it really matter? You could just be like, no, like that's not his whole life. The only yeah. time they gave which is one, what happened in real life. Yeah, and the only time they gave one thing was when his boyfriend Jess is like, you always wanted kids, and now this you're creating a child for yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. and like. But that was like Too one line. Yeah, and that like, also, one of my biggest problems with this movie was that people kept telling Robin Williams things about himself that I don't know if we really saw through that's, his actions. That's the writer being like, there look was, at my theme. Yeah, but throughout this movie, people kept telling Robin Williams things about himself that his actions weren't really uh, going along with. One mm-hmm. of my big problems was... um. I think that I know that Tony Collette says it to Robin Williams. I forget if anybody else does, but Tony says, you're just looking for a story. Like, you just want this to be a good story. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the movie, I couldn't really see that side I of never Robin believed Williams. That. Yeah, yeah, I was like, he doesn't seem like he wants the story. And, like, we it didn't seems do like enough he just to wants make to know the almost... truth. I think it would have been more interesting if he was like, and then at one point he tells somebody, I think to Sandra O. Oh, while Sandra O. Oh was out like, to Sandra, oh. Sandra O. Oh was amazing in this yeah. movie. Um, he he says something. He's like, "This isn't a parlor tale. This isn't a parlor game." He says to Sandra O. Oh, when Sandra O. Oh is like brainstorming all these things that could be happening and getting a little bit too excited about it. Mm-hmm. But it's like I kind of would have liked Robin Williams to be actively like, "Oh yeah," like to to have almost a voyeuristic mm-hmm. take on it sure. because it would have been a take. It felt like it was like. Either like a, a mini series that, or like a three hour movie, and then they just gave you like a hour and like hour and twenty minute slice of it because like I th- like all of those things that they were talking about his personality type, like his his like story seeking personality, his like wanting children, all of that that they're telling Which you. Which is like okay, people keep telling him that he's always yeah. looking for the story. But There's a line have... of dialogue like halfway through the movie where somebody's like. You haven't come to work in a long time. Yeah. Like your job <laughs> is telling stories on the radio. You owe the radio mm-hmm. eight stories. Yeah, well, it's like kind he of... felt right every time. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't think I ever disagreed with him. And like the whole no, fucking there was yeah, 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 it was very jam packed. It's it's kind of like the no whole. Show. It's like the like for example like in Girls like Hannah, Lena Dunham's character is known for like doing shit. Just to write a story about mm-hmm. it, I was and thinking you about see girls that you this see movie. that over and over, and then so when it's like brought to her attention, like you're like, yeah, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like in this movie, it's the opposite. Like you never see that once, but they tell you, so you're like, okay, I yeah. guess that's right. The- yeah. Were you thinking about girls because her mom uh, played the waitress, Hannah's mom? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus, also the judge on Big Little Lies. Yeah, season B-L-L. two. Yes. Booking, Shout Becky out to Baker. her. I do want to talk more about Sandra O oh, because one yes. of the first yes. things, <clears throat> one of the first things she does is Robin Williams calls her a slur against Chinese people. Well, and no, he's Sandra, using it as a like a he example. Said, my he, father would. He say says this. my father would say mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Call and, you like a fucking. Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, we should say it. Um, Shane Gillis, come on the pod, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But he says it to Sandra Oh. He's like, if my father met you, he would call you blank. And Sandra Oh says, but I am blank. Which I, yeah. was, I was like, was oh, okay. Queen of reappropriating. Cool. Also, <laughs> yeah. just little tidbit queen there. Queen of reclamation. Little reclamation. tidbit for the Armistead real life stuff. That the dad and the mom in the movie were fully based on his own parents. Because, like, in the memoir, mm. he talks about his dad was like, like he was born in. I want to say. Oh, I forgot they were in the movie. Very so. and his just family. for a second, mm-hmm. his dad's like super homophobic and yeah. also racist apparently, oh, and also right. served no yeah. point from that point on. No, never. But yeah, it's so just I just found to be it... like Robin Williams has problems too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but that's why I thought like the theme was counter to the dialogue or to the plot is because yeah. he's trying to be like, look at like this controversy, like yeah, this is like what I kind of want to pepper into here and then it never comes back wait so mm-hmm. was that his mom or is well, that his like stepmom because she was like younger she no his mom i mean i think <clears throat> it was supposed to be his mom but like because he was younger but yeah they're basically like confederate loving like his parents were and then yeah. like yeah. by the end of his life oh, yeah. they actually came around like they like went to the i think harvey milk's funeral with with them oh wow yeah yeah, yeah. like they showed oh. like they were gonna leave because they didn't want to be a part of it and then he turned around and they were standing behind him because they wanted to be with him. So it's like their full Very arc. Cool. But I just thought it was interesting they just dropped them in. Yeah. And also he yeah. says, well, that be careful. That boy was abused by gay men. <laughs> he's like, it was pedophiles. There and was, then he's like, what's the difference? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if this were a longer movie, I would have chalked that up to texture. Yeah. But it's 80 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so it's what, like, how did the editor not it's like, cut that? Yeah. So yeah. it's like this amount of time yeah. in an 80 minute movie has to mean something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of cool so elements weird. as far as like his level of acceptance. A of lot his of what father. elements? Like cool elements as uh, far as like how much he <laughs> <laughs> accepted his father, regardless of being like, yeah, that's what he fucking says. Mm-hmm. And like even his ads, like he's putting them in the cab, like his fucking. Fought his dad is like, all right, see you later, son. Like, and I was like, that's super cool. Like, he's he sort of makes... like learned to adapt to this. Can we put put that theme in the rest of the uh, movie? Yeah. No, like it made, it made no yeah. sense. Like, I'm like, that's no. one of those scenes where you think the editor would be going through and like, how can we make mm. this shorter? Yeah. Oh, maybe this scene that has. Well, it was already so short. If they took out the stuff with his yeah. parents, the movie would have been because it was cool. Long. I think they so. Add more that was cool. jump scares yeah. of Tony. <laughs> like that's fine. <laughs> she was fucking scary. I'll give her props. So let's Tony talk about, props. Yeah, we still haven't really talked about her because it's so it's so great. It's the best so, part of the movie, of yeah. course. So Robin goes at the to diner. Wisconsin, stalks Tony, finds out that she's blind. Has you a seeing eye think dog. that the dog? I for a second thought that the dog was um, the kid. Wait, what's well, the kid's what name? Rory Culkin, what's his name? Um, it's just Rory Culkin, I think. <laughs> it's, hold on, I wrote down his name. Pete. Pete. Uh-huh. Pete thinks Culkin. that, because um, <laughs> you think that the dog is Pete because she's talking Logan. to someone. Pete Logan. Pete Logan. And you see it Logan. through the, uh, like a screen, and then yeah. you see a dog. There's and then, like frosted glass And then Hannah separating from Tony mom is like, oh, can I, can I cuddle your dog? And she's like, yeah. and then she's blind, and you're like, <gasps> and she's walking down the street, and he follows her home, and then yeah. she gets to her front door, and she goes, you're going to say hello, Gabriel? <laughs> and I wanted to jump off a bridge. I was so scared. <laughs> that was great. I thought that was cool. But... I... Oh, go. No, you do it. You Sam. No, go. This is your, okay. Jake. Um, <laughs> Which one? I thought, like, all the fucking, like, what stood out to me is, like, guys, I write mystery stories, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, as, as a, like, the writer of a mystery, and he's, like, ham-fisting the parts of suspicion, which include, you can pet the seeing-eye dog? No, you can't. Oh, you know the color of I the sweater? Even... No, you don't. Like, right. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, like, I thought about that things. too. I was like, why? But is you she know saying... what jumped out to me is when okay, so spoiler alert: at the end, it turns out Tony was lying about being blind. So spoiler what... alert or not, because I got that twenty minutes <laughs> in as soon as she pet, they pet the seeing eye dog. I'm like, she's not blind. What? What? It's too much of a. When she said, "You want to see my red sweater?" No, no, no. That what, too. What cemented it for me was when she touched his face to like see his face, mm-hmm. and she was doing this. Gl- blind, I wrote that down. Yeah, blind people. <laughs> you can't make gestures on a twiddly fingers. She's yeah. twiddling She's her fingers. She's doing jazz hands yes. on his face. Yeah, it turns out. She's not out, feeling his face. She's I don't like know if anybody here has drumming ever on his ear met lobes. a blind person before. Well, but 
Blind people don't touch other people's faces to see their face. Certainly not for three um, minutes. Yeah, so that, like that's the, not a thing. The sweat. The fact she knew the sweater was red was what set you off. Not the Green. fact that she said she made it. That too. <laughs> I mean, like, you can knit if you're blind. Okay, you but like, count, like, she also like. I don't know. Like I loved when she was modeling the fact it for she has him. A pile of sweaters. Yeah. And but she knows Turn how Turn around. Yeah, she knows her size even though she's been blind for a question mark amount of time. She I knows no what idea. her body is like. She knows what her child's body is like mm. from all this stuff and the fact that the color it just regardless yeah. of the care I took the character out of it and I was like I think that's oh the God. writer trying to be like, "Hey, uh She's Be not suspicious. fucking blind. Yeah, and I'm like, I was already All of suspicious. my pretty little liar's dreams were validated <gasps> at the end when it turns out she was lying about being blind. Because for all of pretty little liars, <laughs> I thought that the blind girl was lying about being blind. And she wasn't? Wasn't she for a little bit? For a little bit. <laughs> no. Like... And then she actually became... No, because... Yeah. Yeah, because she got surgery. It was a boy who cried I have to watch that show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because she got surgery. It becomes supposedly. super transphobic in like season seven. Oh my god! Which is like so but long to they, watch a show and have it not be transphobic. Didn't they chalk and it up it becomes... to it being like awareness? Because it was like 2013. And yeah, so, which is yeah. horrible. Oh. <laughs> some trans people are serial killers. <laughs> some of them are. Hashtag allyship. <laughs> Support trans. No, I thought about killers. Jenna the whole time. Yeah, me too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wrote... she literally. Act, that's exactly what Jenna like. That's like future Jenna, Jenna was always Okay, Jenna in Pretty Little Liars and Tony Collette in this movie are always weaponizing their blindness. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Tony like falls down in the middle of the road and yeah. is like reaching around Defining going like scene. Robin Williams, help me, help me, help me. And there's a, a truck coming. A so Robin Williams truck. goes to like help her out of the road, but she like drags him down with her. Mm-hmm. Oh like my God. the truck is going to run over them both. And Robin manages to like get them both out of the room. I'm and so... he's like what the fuck? And he starts to walk away, and Tony immediately starts doing it again. The amount of time Robin, Robin Williams me, almost died mm-hmm. and still did shit was incredible. Yeah. I think he had no motivation to continue after the <laughs> first time because he's, he he's should have just time left. and time again exposed to be kind of a pansy in like the nicest of ways. As in, like he's more of a storyteller than he is an investigator. But That's nothing was there to reconcile that. He was just always like, "Yeah, I'll break a fucking window yeah, with a brick." Not? Sure, Let's yeah. Keep going. <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah. But also that scene with the the thing just also speaks to the weird writing of this movie because it's like I feel like they're like, "Oh, this will be be like an amazing scene if there's a truck coming <clears throat> and Tony falls and she pulls Robin." But it's like, and then I feel like they're like, "Well, why can't she get up? What's the reason she can't get up?" And they're like, well, she's blind. Yeah. Like, why can't she? But she she, can knit a sweater. But he said a truck was coming. Yeah, and she's like, help me up, help me up. She's like, not old. No, she wanted him to come so that they could both die. But why did he, like, I'm saying, why would Robin Williams be like, like, oh. Because it's like if a blind person is like crouched down on the street saying, help me, you're not going to be like, get up, bitch. If they do, (laughs) if she did get hit by the truck, he would be blamed for her death because he didn't help a blind woman get out of the street. And because the police in that town Already are hated him. willing to kill for Tony Collette. For sure. The Which most... is dope. I actually really oh, like that. I really want to watch. I wish they did more. I want to watch the act. The... <laughs> I, did, I did like I how the whole the town, the whole town Watch the like, politician. She is not lying. Who are you? Get out of our town. No, like, yeah, Hannah's mom at the diner is like, favorite how dare you? Yeah. The best moment he's of the, the entire movie is after the police like take him into the police station and he's like yelling at them about how Tony's lying. It's a completely silent scene. The shot is from like another like you know like that police room with the mm-hmm. window and it's like, like the, a, the two way mirror. Yeah, the two way mirror or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And I was like, why is the mo- why is like the best of Robin Williams's scenes, silent. That was his most like emotional, like. I'm like, where was this for the rest of the movie? Wait, when? When he's in the police station? Yeah, when he's in the police station yelling at the cops. I don't for even the remember rest of that. the movie, he's so like his yeah. like like hit like his. He, he he's honestly like Hannibal Lecter. Remember in the beginning of Silence of the Lambs when uh, that guy is talking about how Hannibal like ate that woman's eye and they're like his blood pressure never went above like a normal level he's like that the entire movie like nothing phases him even when like he's like in the room after breaking into the house (laughs) which he does on a whim then he's like wait does he break into the house after he breaks into all the hospitals yes Yes. and then also he's literally like it was before 
Continue. I it was and then he's then he's like, oh, I'm in, I'm upstairs. I'm oh, I hear somebody coming in. I see a oh creepy flashlight. God. And then all he does is he just stand stands in the there corner and shovels. waits for the like, flashlight to find him. He puts a fourth of his person behind. A <laughs> Do you know how? Gl- well, that's because he thought it was Tony, though. Oh wait, not why if would she a have a flashlight? Why would Tony? <laughs> But that's what I well, thought immediately. Like, would, why does Tony honestly. have a flashlight? She would. Immediately in Robin's head, because you know that Tony faking blindness has been in the back of his head this whole time. She also, oh, yeah. in multiple times in this movie, Tony turns on the lights to dramatic effect, <laughs> which she is She turns cool. on the lights just to freak him out. Yeah, but it's also, it was very obviously for her, because like, oh, yeah. she couldn't if, see. if she were blind, if the writer was writing in the terms of thinking, of making the audience believe that she were blind, they would do more in the dark, and they don't. Yeah. And that was like, there's a lot of glaring signs a half hour into the movie that she wasn't blind. I like, thought she was yeah. blind. She does ask Didn't buy at the beginning. She was like, is it light enough? In I was here? like, truly, okay. No, she a, goes, is it light enough? A, he goes, no. She's sign, like, it's on the wall. A sign to me that this movie wasn't that good is that every, like, lamps. every, like, faux pas that blind Tony had, I was like, I guess the writers are just dumb. Lamps. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. Okay, well, it. but the boy again. lives Lamps. there. <laughs> Technically, Lamps. the boy lives there. Lamps. Those are lighting fixtures that you have to add to your home. Lamps. Not lighting fixtures that come mm. with, with the, the home, home that you can turn on for guests. It's a fucking oh. lamp, and there's tons of them. Wait, what about so um, what about the bedrooms? He finds, quote-unquote, Pete's bedroom. And it's like fully. That Tony is fully decorated. Fully decorated. And she even went as far to put the Playboy magazine Under between the, his the, mattresses. Wow. That was great. Yeah. Which I was she like, okay. Yes. That and was I, the one time I was like, maybe. Her maybe room is just like a trash pile in the dark, which was really a nice yeah. touch, I felt. Yeah, that also, was cool one too. thing that I want to bring up, and then we can. No move lamps past in her room. It. Just a just a quick Too stray shy. observation is um, when Robin is looking through all these different hospitals looking for Rory Culkin. <laughs> he goes into one kid's hospital room. So scary! And the kid just scary. wakes up and starts hissing at him, and Robin leaves. Well, because he can't like, scream because he's a patient. He has like no vocal cords. That was awesome. Oh. So was he like, just starts going. <sighs> terrified. How Shit creepy! So scary. The scariest moment. How creepy moment in the that he walked movie. into that room. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> "Hey, kiddo, what's also, going on?" How dare the hospital not catch him? How <laughs> dare they not? How dare they not? What kind of security is that? I mean, they are in Wisconsin, and it's like, I don't know what's going on. I kind there. of would have enjoyed, like, I think Tony was really scary, and I liked her scary line, like, drops out of nowhere, but I wish they were a little bit scarier. Yeah, and I thought Tony did a great job of being scary while blind. When she came her at him are scary. after the <laughs> hospital, though, like, w- right before the truck scene, it was, like, not scary. It was a non-event. She was like, hello, Gabriel. I, I wish she had just been like, <laughs> yeah. hello, I'm here. You haven't seen me for 15 minutes. <laughs> also, something that I was, I guess, concerned about is this idea of, like, mental illness as a weapon of horror. That is Tony's filmography, Sam. That's, That's so what true. we're doing. That's true. I wrote down at, at 28 minutes... Different trigger warning, BPD. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about borderline 20, personality yes, disorder. 28 minutes in, Jake I Jake and down, I are in a group chat for people with borderline personality disorder. This Jake. It's yeah. Jake Munch. The Someday Jake. we'll stop having multiple people in the room have the same name. Gina <laughs> Casali. Um, who Andrew. else is in it? <laughs> Fuck Andrew. He's been on this show, though. I know. Yeah, we've had like five Andrews, so which one are you talking about? Yesterday I made some... Andrew Lazan. Yesterday I made some... (laughs) Okay, I feel like Gina tweeting that she is Alaska from Looking for Alaska, she might as well be declaring to the world that she has has BPD. Yeah, it's a small, it's a very nuanced culture. Anyway, the point... (laughs) It's not nuanced. It's 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 very plain. So is this movie about BPD? No. I was, but I wrote down... Uh, uh, just shy of a, of a half an hour in, I said, what mental disorder did the writer Wikipedia? <laughs> and that clearly was a right thing because then we got to factitious disorder, which yeah. is akin in the sense of pretending and, and putting on a face. Of, but like I, it felt very much like that. And again, where I'm saying that whoever wrote the movie, because I looked up nothing, because like you know, well, it was Armistead, and it was actually the real life version of Jess. It was he, right. yeah. uh, his lover, his, who his was who had, in real time. life, who his has the author of the the, the screenwriter, yeah. the author of the book that it was based on, was like um, I, I I think that it was like that Tales of the City had been a radio show before it was on <clears> PBS <throat> or whatever. He, yeah, he, he wrote Tales it. of the City. So as he well. came into contact with 
Tony Collette, yeah, he especially had, like, in real life. Wow. Somebody okay. like a teenage boy who said like I was sexually mm-hmm. abused mm-hmm. and now my yeah. social work take cares me takes care of me. And it turned out that um not like it was never officially confirmed because oh. the car- because the person that Tony Collette is based on died before it could be confirmed. That but Wikipedia it's pretty page. much like widely agreed. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, what a ride. It's pretty much widely agreed that um that the kid wasn't fucking real. I read the only the thing Because oh go. The the actually and instead of Wisconsin, they were based in New Jersey, which I think mm. would have been even scarier. It would have New yeah. Jersey is terrifying. And it would and, <laughs> and, and it and it would have given Robin Williams a better excuse a reason to, go to go there. there. Go there. Yeah, it's, it's just closed. over the river. All he has to do is take the, He's the also train. He's filthy rich. Speaking and so of is Bobby. Travel. That's true. But in uh, yes. in real life, it turns out, you know how Tony Collette <laughs> sends him a picture of Rory Culkin. Mm-hmm. Um, li- in real life, it turned out that somebody, like a real person, came forward and said, "Oh, that picture of me, like I'm not that kid." Yeah, like to- like to- the person Decades that Tony Collette later. was based on, this woman named Vicky had sent Armistead a picture of like a teenage boy and that teenage boy right. came forward and was like, hey, I'm not, I think that his name was Anthony Godby something. Mm. Godby. I also know something. it was also the same, when I saw that the diner too had the exact same picture that Robin Williams was sent hanging, remember? Yeah. In the, in the uh, restaurant. Yes. I was like, that's when I knew it was fake because I was like, oh, so she has picture. one photo of this mm-hmm. boy who she spends her And a weird videotape. So <laughs> weird. Um, Robin yeah. Williams later shows up to the motel room that Tony Collette is inexplicably staying at uh, <laughs> after Tony Collette leaves. <laughs> and Tony Collette just spends a random night in a motel room and like calls him and is like, come to this motel room that I'm staying at. And you at. think she's left a corpse in the bed. Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. I don't know if I just <laughs> doppler it. Thank I actually kind of wish it, it was a corpse in the bed. I wish it was Me a corpse. Me too. Because that should have been like, I wasn't good. lying. And, and then here. a corpse of like, no, it should have been a corpse of like, definitely not Rory Culkin. Yes. Sandra Oh. Sandra Oh. Sandra Oh. Yes. That would have made me the most sad because I cared about her the most because she fucking she delivered. She was the best. No, but it was just the Velveteen Rabbit. Sandra, Sandra. Which is oh. a good metaphor, but introduced way too late. Yeah, Sandra O oh in this movie is Robin Williams's like housekeeper assistant. Assistant. Person. Assistant. Yeah, and she. Um, to the regional manager. She. <laughs> Wait. Sorry. So, what are we talking about right now? Sandra O, oh, the know. rabbit, VPD <laughs> traveling. BPD. Yes, BPD. No, yeah. So. <laughs> Let's talk about borderline personality. It was more disorder. to the, this. My whole note taking process was more to point out the fact that the mystery part of it is what fell, which is why I still enjoyed the movies because I think like the plot was still very cool, um, but forcing it to be this mystery that it wasn't, or like hyping up these moments that were more subtle, failed it because on okay. its own it was interesting enough. I was in, you know, like yeah. and so that's why I was like, they've got to be this like they've got to be shoving shit in that makes it conducive to be some sort of psychological thriller. So I was like, what did they Wikipedia? What disorder are we going to talk about? And it turned out that it was factitious. Right. Which is super fun for a plot, but also really easy to fuck up if you're just Googling it and making Mm -hmm. it, like, shoving out these, like, very big ideas. It's on the same kind of wavelength as Munchausen's a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it, it's without it, the proxy. It's yeah. the more ethical version of Munchausen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz at least then there's not an actual human being like, well, that you're sub- like But you are manipulating all the other human beings. Yeah, you are. Via fake human beings. But Munchausen scares me so much just because like um I feel like all the Munchausen's parents all they do is make their kids throw up and nothing mm. scares me more than throwing up. Interesting. Right. Um, I don't know if that. Yeah. So I read the. Wik- I wait really quick. I just want to say I taught somebody what Munchausen by proxy is last week. Who? Kyle Tucker's roommate. I was telling Kyle him about Tucker. something. How do you not like, know? I know. I was like, you know, Munchausen by proxy, and he was like, no. And I was like, it's that thing where that's parent, how you bring it up. And out and of he was and, and he was and you I, at any given like freshman party. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, it's that things where parents make their kids sick, and he was like, parents make their kids sick, and I was like, no, just some parents. No, it's not like genetics. a general thing. Yeah. So okay. factitious disorder in its own right is super great for character. I mm-hmm. think if you're writing it, which is a shame to boil it down to that. But there was really only <clears> one moment where she showed it, and that's where she was like, "What do you think about my sweater?" 
which is the knitting, <sighs> sexual knitting is what yeah. I wrote down. Um, because what a funny thing to write down. Um, but that's really the only part where she was like, bring it back to me. Yeah, and she did a great job of that. And that's where I was like, oh, okay, I see where that's going. And then they drop that again. Yeah. They keep that dropping so these points that they the most are interesting trying. There's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, They're trying the to get point, everything in there. Yeah. The whole point of the disorder is to gain attention for yourself, which I feel like every time the spotlight went on Tony's character, she was like, what? What do you yeah, like? There was no reason that mm, was bringing yeah. Robin back to her. It mm-hmm. was more like everything she did gave a reason for Robin to be like, uh, okay, I'm going to distance myself as much as possible, which is like factitious disorder. She'd be roping him in with some more clever things, yeah. which is what I was waiting for, but he was always suspicious from the get. Right, and then yeah. how, like, she she kind of just gives the game away at the end when, like, right before the truck or the truck scene, and she's like, he's like, I was in all the hospitals looking for him. No record, no record. And like, then oh, she's he's like, in Milwaukee. <laughs> but then she goes, he was in Milwaukee, but now he's dead. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for and when I is was she like, going to say that he's dead? Okay, yeah. so why aren't you fucking there? <laughs> like, yeah. duh. Get your ass to Milwaukee. <clears throat> also, that was another plot hole. Why, If you went to five hospitals, only one, you're going to actually go up? Because I'm sure no person at the desk was like, oh, yeah, let me tell you my list of children that are here in the <laughs> pediatrics right. ward. Yeah. So then he chooses the final one to break into. Yeah. And also the classic scary, like, I'm going to twist my ankle while running. Right. I was like, okay. I also had down um, the, <clears throat> the possible slowest chase scene of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> because they were not running. He, it, was a light, it was a light jog. He had all of his clothes on. He didn't break a sweat. Like, mm-hmm. it's not. <laughs> and then, and then it. he broke his he fucking ankle right by out. just falling into a wall. Yeah. It's Robin Williams did everything he could. Let's just pepper that in like, yeah. through the whole, no matter what part of the movie you're at, you can just say that. He was says, Robin saint. Williams did everything he could. I think his, yeah. his, his best, Maverick. best Robin scene. Williams is an incredible actor. I love I live action Popeye. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire is one of my favorites. Wait, who plays and Olive Oil? Large. Who plays Olive Oil in it's, live action um, Popeye? It, it's the wife from The Shining, Shelley uh, Shelley oh. Duvall. Oh, Shelley Duvall. oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think his best scene was the, the she looks scene we have not talked about yet, but we'll do it. On the, on the plane. I'm just singing Popeye songs. <laughs> on the plane when there's that weird nosy woman oh, who I thought oh was yes, must be I a part of the, the plot, but she wasn't. And that was like his she best act. She was just act. a fucking like, like asshole. He literally had, like that whole scene was so fun. With the flight attendant? Have you awesome. done something and for the flight attendant community? I wrote this down. I wrote this. Yeah, th- I wrote that line down. Okay, I was, was like, going to use that great line. since we yeah. haven't talked about it yet as an award, but it's over. I was, okay. Yeah, I thought about that as an award, but I thought we'd all talk. Okay. Does anybody have any stray observations before we move on? Um, to I just wanted to get into the darkness of the Wikipedia page for um, the original, the actual real life quote unquote. Please do boy. because I have yet to come <clears throat> up with a custom award, and I need time. To Anthony Godby Johnson um, is the subject and supposed author of the 1993 memoir "Rock in a Hard Place: Colon One Boy's Triumphant Story," which is essentially the same book that. Macaulay mm-hmm. Jr. writes in the movie. Um, <laughs> so Vicky Johnson is the real life name of Tony Klett's character. Um, yes. So the whole Wikipedia thing is basically saying that. But it's weird because the reason Armistead and like other people decided to become attached to this book was because like they had a review from literally Mr. Rogers. And yes, like Mr. Rogers a forward, part of it. A forward by Keith. And then. The person who broke the story weirdly was Keith Olbermann, like the really? um, and then this whole like thing, and, and then, then Keith Olbermann like led the charge in trying <clears throat> to figure out if he was real. Right, but then the crazy <laughs> thing about it is that Vicky Johnson is is this woman is Tony Collette, yes. and she's like whatever, and like she basically maybe she made him up, but she was still not like inherently maybe a bad person because she wrote this book and like it brought attention to some stuff, but then later in two thousand four she marries. A doctor who sexually abuses kids. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> and then they both die. So wait, my favorite, <laughs> my Yikes. favorite thing was there was an interview that Tony Collette did after this movie where they asked her if she had tried to get in touch with Vicky Johnson for research purposes, and she said no. I just talked to Armistead about it. I didn't really feel the need to talk to Vicky Johnson. To be honest. Which I loved. I love I love Tony Collette's complete opposition to like method acting. Well, because also when she that, did that would be scary. Yeah, when she did that interview for Hereditary where they were like, How do you like 
deal with going to such a dark place for this movie. Oh, and yeah. she was like, well, it's just a movie. <laughs> I know. Well, and where you have like everyone playing the Joker being like, I killed eight people to play this role. <laughs> It's and like it's, it's just a like, fucking it's the Joker. The Joker didn't become important. Until the Joker is fictional, <laughs> and Vicky Johnson is real. And I've been so reading is... comic books since I was seven. It wasn't that big of a deal until Heath jumped in. We don't need Joaquin. Up you already there. had also, Jack Nicholson. Stroking Can we his agree? Have you seen the Joker? Have you hair. seen the new Joker movie? No, because I want to wait I... for the hype to die down. Oh yeah, because <laughs> all I know is um Andrew saw it and he said that it was boring. I don't care if it's boring. I just care if it's like. Uh, trying to be a movie rather than trying to make the Joker some staple of acting. Yeah. Which you a, see, that's um, a whole other podcast. Can I pay fifteen dollars <laughs> for it? That's yeah. for sure. For the um the final like in the the motel room, we forgot to talk about the most important thing is when Tony calls the phone, oh. and then he it, she's still pretending to be Pete, oh. and then he's like, "Can <laughs> he's I ask like, you something?" She's like, "LOL, I'm not dead." Yeah. Then she's like, "Right? Yeah." Like she just told me dead. Then she's like, "Oh, can I ask you something?" Um, did something happen to Donna when she was a child? And then she kind of like breaks down a little bit. And I'm like, so we all agree, like, she created this book because right. it was her own story, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is nice, I think. Which too. is like so sad. I thought that was a nice piece of But like, then she's empathy. not even blind. <laughs> she's not blind. <laughs> she was never blind, man. But, but uh, I'm wait. wondering if maybe that happened with Vicky. Like, mm. she wanted to write the story, but it was so traumatic that yeah. she had. And then, of course, it would make sense that, that she, she would, would also marry, marry somebody who does that because that it's continuing a cycle. the cycle. That's true. Yeah. Also, but, how much? Sorry. What? What? Uh, uh, how much more easy it is is it to sell a story from a 14 year old? For sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Middle aged yeah. woman. Yeah. But then also the creepy thing about that is that there was no the reason he was also disproven is that there was no record at all of his oh well so there was no record at all of his parents being tried so I guess that's fanfic mm-hmm. for her for be like oh well they actually weren't convicted but I wish they were but they also uh-huh. said no, they that the also boy's said... parents were convicted and that the dad died in prison and all this shit but they also mm-hmm. said that they didn't know if it would be because it was such a like gross trial that it was like kept under wraps to sure. keep all the identities secured yeah. so it wouldn't, might not be in public record well it happened to donna and that that we know for sure yeah yeah okay do we want to move on to awards yeah i got a last thing real quick okay astray guys um <laughs> uh, the whole me my whole theme of being like the writers trying too hard was was solidified by my like i wrote um as i was panicking when he was going i was like oh my god they're gonna fucking kill him like i thought they were gonna kill robin williams and then i got to the once i saw tony collette i was like misery Yes. And yeah. she was wearing the same thing. You can Google it. It's a brown, like, horribly knit wool sweater <laughs> over a collared shirt. That's the exact thing Kathy Bates wore in Misery, and it's the exact same thing. It's, like, unkempt woman who seems at first to have good intentions. And, like, that carried. I was, like, whoever, like, I was, like, this movie follows Misery so hard, aside <laughs> from trapping Robin Williams, aside from his own motivation to be there. Like, it's like that's what they were hedging on was like let's make it seem like he's trapped in the house when he never was and i think that's mm. why it failed as far as suspense is because mm-hmm. like he was never trapped there no but they Aww. made it they they stylized the movie to seem as if he were trapped that's true and that's about it so misery i wrote misery everywhere misery misery <laughs> misery it's all there's a lot of misery fucking parallels that's about it <laughs> nice okay here on the tony awards we deliver three awards to each movie uh the first of which is best prop uh i'm gonna go first because i'm scared that somebody <laughs> may have stolen mine uh, there's a scene where Robin Williams is in like a deli or something and he orders a sandwich on a Kaiser roll and then they give it to him on just like regular bread. So <laughs> <laughs> my best prop is the fake Kaiser roll. <laughs> All right. Jake Munch, what about you? Uh, my prop award goes to the German Shepherd because after she's mm. not blind, it's gone. So scary. Where is that dog? Whether it's a blind, whether it's a or not, she could have kept it. She could have been like, "This is my fucking dog." Instead, it's gone. Wait, Where is that dog? Have you seen um? Have you seen Jojo Rabbit yet? No. Okay, then I won't spoil it. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that's about it. Is is that dog is gone at the end, and that is a huge plot hole. How do you? It's uh, also could be in contention for my award of the swiftest, most under the rug removal of a dog from a movie. <laughs> No, I think it yeah. was supposed to be like that because she like creepily 
just got rid of the dog. And that's yeah. what I took it as, and that's why I liked it. That's I was like, what I believe been, that she killed the dog. Like, should have been under the blankets in the hotel. Oh my gosh, oh, been the fucking dog. Been so Hello. good. But then yes. he wouldn't have watched the videotape. He probably still would have watched the videotape. He, he, he did, absolutely every, he did everything, everything else video, without motivation yeah. to do it. He did <laughs> literally all of it. So, like, why not? Yeah. Dead that's dog. true. <laughs> Doesn't okay. face Robin Williams. Okay. Uh, Brandon, what was your best prop? I'm just going to go with the classic Playboy mag mm. because of the continuity from Little Miss Sunshine. And what, are you straight or something? Shh. <laughs> second ball. What? <laughs> okay, Jake. Um, I'm going to go with the answering machine. Because there was so much of this movie that happened with the old, like, old school trope of answering machines going off, and you can answer it whenever you want mid voicemail, <laughs> which is so not a thing. Yes, now. I, re- I really dug that. It's creepy. I mean, yeah. the way they use it too, because it's like, oh, when um, when she's like constantly calling him and yes. like not leaving a voicemail. Oh, I had such like a gift of fear moment where I was like, <clears throat> as soon as he went to go pick up the phone, I was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. That was great. I yeah. thought that was built up. And I thought nice. that he did a very good gift of fear thing, which is when somebody's stalking you, you're actually not really supposed to change your number. Like you're not supposed to disconnect the old number. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to let your stalker believe that they're still reaching you. Cause if you like disconnect that number, they're gonna just find the new number. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. In case anybody's getting stalked out there, just some advice Shout from me to you. To all the stalkies. So what do you do though? What do you do? You, you um, answer the phone. Well, this is from a book that was written in like 1998. So the advice from 1998 um, is open up a new phone line, but keep the old uh, one active, and uh-huh. just tell every just tell everybody you're close with like actually call me on this number, but leave oh. like still like an outgoing message on right. the old line letting your stalker believe that they're still contacting mm-hmm. you when actually you're not checking that line. Oh, this is actually real quick. I wanted to mention like the fact that this story even exists. Like it would be so much harder to have this be a hoax nowadays. Yes. Because why would this kid not have a Facebook? Mm-hmm. Why would this kid, you why know, wouldn't like, they FaceTime? Right. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. like she literally, this real life woman got her judge in the last possible time period to do this, uh, she was able to do that, so. Yeah. Um, now we move on to best Tony moment. So Jake Everhart, uh, what was your best Tony moment? Um, I have a lot of them, but since I'm going first, I'm gonna take the scariest one in the movie, uh, which is at the very end, before she's revealed to not be blind, he goes to the motel, she's leaving her room dramatically. I don't remember if she had the dog, but she's wearing sunglasses in, at night, of course, and she's mm-hmm. walking, down the stairs of the motel and like he's hiding in the shadows near her and she like turns her head to face him with the sunglasses on <laughs> and by him I mean the camera and I'm just like yeah. ah! and that was like that was great mm-hmm. Brandon what about you well that was mine my second I would <laughs> say is uh, the sexy sweater that whole scene <laughs> just like the I don't know she was very vulnerable that was like her best, I feel like one of her best acting moments of the whole thing. For sure. What about you, Jake Munch? You know, like as much as I was like all on this screenplay itself for its like self-indulgence, I was like, I was enjoying Tony. So instead I picked a moment that I thought was just very funny that she did. Instead of saying like when she orders him a car, like she goes like, your car is here. Like and emphasizes car. <laughs> and I was like, that's super funny. That feels like very like old. Like, no, I'm not going to say anymore. Your car is here. And like, I was like, that's dope. If you watch it back, you'll you'll laugh. Yeah. Like I did. <laughs> uh, my favorite Tony moment was when Robin was stalking her in the diner and she turned. It looked like she was looking at him through the frosted glass. And you actually couldn't see any details of her face except Mm -hmm. for, like, the outline and then, like, a little bit of her hair. Mm -hmm. That was very spooky to me. Now we move on to custom awards. Brandon, what was your custom award? So this moment, I watched it. I rewinded it, like, three times because, and it's very small. But so this award is going to go to most realistic weed smoking (laughs) acting. And that was Sandra Oh. When she says, "No, I'm good," like she's like yeah. takes a hit, and he's like he's like passing it back, and she's like, "Oh no, I'm good." But and then she keeps talking without yeah. missing a beat, and yeah. I was like, "I love that." that. I rewound so, that too. Like Oscar. I related like, to that. I feel like every movie you're just like <laughs> passing the joint endlessly, and like she was like, and oh, they have I'm to good. sit there with it, like, oh yeah. yeah. It was really. I thought the whole 
It was very realistic. That was so good. Yeah. Wow. Was that your custom? No, work? but I just I, I wrote that down as well for being like very cool. I th- she, obviously, Sandra Oh is fucking uh-huh. a beacon. In She's this the film. best. Yeah. Yeah. I was so excited when I saw that she was in it. She's great. I was elated. Um, Jake Everhart, what was your custom award? Going with the pride award for <laughs> flight attendant. <laughs> 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 so basically, I made you all stop talking about this earlier, but it was so funny. <laughs> when um, he's on the plane to Wisconsin and the lady next to him is making small talk, and then the flight attendant, of course, goes, because all male flight attendants are gay, and <laughs> kneels down and like touches his shoulder and goes, thank you for all you've done for us. And Robin Williams like, oh whatever thank you and then she goes you've done something for a flight attendant <laughs> a great line that i wrote down Amazing. Yeah. jake what about Very you dope. i wrote um i had two it was, it was either the worst use of robin williams um <laughs> which because i was just waiting for him but that that felt like easy so i went with mm-hmm. the chipotle burrito award which is trying to shove way too many plot points into one movie and wow. it just all falls out everywhere, and it's too spicy. And you're like, I didn't get spice on it. And I love like, that <laughs> yeah. because I'm very anti-Chipotle. Right. So I'm pro Taco Bell. That's what I get. It. You gave it. Yeah, it was it's like Wikipedia, factitious disorder. Um, Why go like, to Chipotle when you could go to Moe's? Confronting homophobia <laughs> and also mystery of deaf woman or blind woman <laughs> and, sure. and, and non-existent child. There's like too many things. Mm-hmm. Those are each their own movie. Milk and misery. And some other movie. <laughs> anyway, that's why. Let's move on to our second to last segment called Is It Better Than Little Miss Sunshine with Jake. Jake, your favorite movie that we've covered thus far on the podcast has been Little Miss Sunshine. How does this movie measure up? No, it doesn't as good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I liked it, though. I didn't I did not hate it at all. I hated it. I didn't hate it. I, I had a fun time being really fucking scared. It was I, a good Halloween movie. I truly, like, okay. It was soft. I, I liked it in the same vein. It was a soft Halloween movie. Let's move soft on to plugs. Uh, we're going to link to everybody's Twitters and Instagrams in the show notes. No way. But does anybody have anything that they want to plug? Oh, I wrote a web series, and it's called Friendzoned, and it's on steroids. Woo-woo. <gasps> Woo-woo. My cat's famous. Uh, if you oh, want to yeah. go see her on the internet, I love Leora. You can either Google "smartest cat in the world" <laughs> or <laughs> or fucking go to my TikTok account. We should get our agents for our cats. Famous. She's got about fifty million views on all platforms right now. That's just on the one video. More coming soon. Thanks yeah. everyone for the cat support. <laughs> um, I think this would be a good episode to plug my. Um, I have a new essay finally coming out soon. Um, I just got the final edits, and it's from the Rumpus, and it's a column they have for women and non-binary writers, and it's all about sexual assault stories. Oh, so this is sweet. the perfect the episode. Perfect to episode, plug that on. guys. <laughs> if you're bummed out by this fake sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> you can Here's read. an essay about real wait, 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 sexual assault. Fake okay. child sexual assault. Fake Continue. child sexual yeah. assault. Just so um, you can say all the right things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, so you can find that on my Instagram, which will be plugged, and it should be coming yeah. out in the next few weeks. I would also like to plug, even though I had nothing to do with it, I saw the movie Jojo Rabbit. Did you like it? I, I loved it. I absolutely you did, loved it. You liked it. the Hitler part? Yeah. And Jake, why don't you um, plug something that's happening on Halloween? <gasps> oh, well. Oh, well, this is going to come out after, after Halloween. Halloween. But I hope you attended our uh, cage match in the, uh, not indie, a real cage match our at UCB. Our improv team. With our improv team type principles. Competed in cage match and at we UCB won. on Halloween. Hopefully we won. <laughs> we and did we're win. returning uh, <laughs> the next week. If we did, I'll drop a link in the show If notes. we won, it's because you were there and you voted for us. Yes. You won for sure. Okay. All right. Any, uh, and anything else that we want to say before we end the pod? I hope you're listening to this at night so um, that you too can be the night listener. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>